0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast, An Intelligent Look at Terrorism. I'm your host, Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Ottawa, Canada. I want to wish all my listeners and followers a belated happy 2020. This is the first podcast of the new year, and I suppose it's a bit of a cheat. What I'd like to do in this podcast is do a bit of a look forward in terms of what we can expect to see in the area of terrorism in 2020. The reason why it's a bit of a cheat is that we're already at January the 12th, and to be perfectly honest, we've had a lot of terrorism already in the first 12 days of the new year. But nevertheless, I thought it'd be an interesting exercise to speculate a little bit on what is likely, possible, probable to happen in the coming year. I want to state from the outset that I do, I'm do i not an Ostradamus. I don't believe in trying to accurately predict the future, I just want to comment a little bit on the types of trends we're seeing happening in various countries around the world and what is possible to happen in the coming 12 months. I've been doing this job now for almost five years since my retirement from the Canadian Intelligence community in 2015, written five books on terrorism, have written thousands of blogs, articles, issued tens of thousands of tweets as I try to scan the news on a daily basis, looking for stories that relate to terrorism. I have to tell you that uh, most days there is far too much information to try to process, and that's just from open source. I don't have access to intelligence anymore, and yet there are, on any given day, I issue between 20 and 30 tweets that relate to acts of terrorism or efforts to counter terrorism. Meaning that on any given day, there's no lack of information to pass on, and in somewhat depressingly, there's no lack of violent terrorist activity to try to reflect upon. Having said all that, what can we expect in 2020? Well let's cut to the chase. We're going to see more terrorism, more deaths from terrorism in a lot of countries, and this notion that somehow terrorism is on the wane is false. In late December of last year, myself and my colleagues at the University of Ottawa hosted a talk by one of the authors of the Global Terrorism Index, which is an Australian-based document with offices uh, elsewhere in Europe that looks at terrorism across the board worldwide in a given year. And they they pointed out that since 2014, there has been a precipitous drop in the actual deaths on terrorism in a variety of countries. And they try to explain why that is. That's obviously a very positive development. It's better than the opposite. Unfortunately, it does not suggest that terrorism itself is going to go away anytime soon. So I thought I would just look at a couple of areas, which I think will be in the headlines a lot when it comes to acts of terrorism, and then conclude with just some general thoughts on where this whole phenomenon is going. So let's start in West Africa. And by West Africa, I'm referring very loosely to the countries which we call the Sahel, so Mali, Niger, Burkina Faso, as well as Nigeria, Chad, and other parts of West Africa. One statistic I came across earlier on this week really, really worried me. And that is, in the trio of countries, Niger, Mali, and Burkina Faso, the deaths from terrorists have skyrocketed in the past three years. By one estimate, there were approximately 770 deaths from terrorism in 2016, and three years later, in 2019, i.e. last year, there are over 4,000. In the last year alone, in Burkina Faso, there have been 250 deaths from terrorism. This is an area of the world which has a lot of problems, a lot of economic problems, a lot of social problems, and despite the efforts of the United Nations and France, which is the former colonial power in the region, as well as the Americans and others, it seems that terrorism isn't going away. It's not going to take over these countries, but it's going to prove a menace for the time being. Slightly less or more Western, we have Nigeria, where the Nigerian army has been fighting a terrorist group called Boko Haram for over a decade now, And despite promises by the Nigerian presidents, almost like clockwork every Christmas, that Boko Haram is in its death throes, that group shows no signs of going away either. I read on a weekly basis two or three attacks by Boko Haram. They also excel in kidnapping people, they excel in burning villages to the ground, and they excel in recruiting young girls to act as suicide bombers. A lot of strain on the Nigerian army of late. The law reports Nigerian media of Nigerian soldiers reaching their limit and also allegations that the Nigerian army itself is taking part in human rights atrocities in their own country. To compound matters, there's an Islamic State affiliate in the area called the Islamic State West African province, which is also engaged in acts of terrorism on a regular basis. Moving slightly northeast to Libya, what can I say about Libya? Ever since the fall of Qaddafi a couple of years ago, the country has been essentially uh, ungovernable, Right now, we have the General National Accord, which kind of runs Tripoli, supported by the United Nations. And then we have a movement run by a man called General Haftar, supported by other countries I'll get back to in a second. And Libya is nowhere near being, being the stable country it was under Qaddafi. You can say what you want about Gaddafi. Was he a little crazy? Was he a dictator? Absolutely. But the country, at least, had some semblance of normality. That is completely gone right now. Perhaps one of the more worrisome signs about what's happening in Libya, aside from the fact that terrorism, especially Islamic State, is there, is the competition amongst a variety of partners to play a role in that area. Turkey just recently announced around Christmas that it wants to go send troops to, to Libya to support the GNA. Uh, the Emiratis are there, UAE, the Saudis are there, the Russians are there, France is there, the United States plays a role, and this is one more instance of outside powers meddling in a country where they shouldn't and making things worse. So Libya will remain at the top of a lot of stories in the the upcoming year with respect to terrorism and violence on a societal level. Moving a little eastward into Egypt, the Egyptian government is struggling in its campaign to fight with an Islamic State affiliate in the Sinai. This is a group that specializes in attacking tourist resorts, it attacks government forces, and it attacks Coptic Christians. Recall that to an Islamist extremist, Christians are apostates, they are kufar. and they deserve to be killed. Haven't heard a lot recently about Islamic State in the Sinai, but I don't think they have disappeared either. So watch this space, you're going to see more attacks by Islamic State in Egypt in 2020. I'm going to skip over the whole Israel-Palestine thing only because, uh, for two reasons. One is I don't specialize in it, and secondly, I just find it too bloody depressing to talk about. But I think we will hear terrorist attacks from various factions in the Palestinian territories and various counterterrorism actions by those in Israel. One thing I will point out is a very worrisome rise in Jewish extremism that comes from Israel. A lot of intolerant people, very conservative, ultra-Orthodox Jews, some of whom think it's okay to use violence against their Palestinian neighbors. Moving on to Iraq, this is of course, a country that has been set with violence for decades, a country that has had a difficult time ensuring governance since the American invasion 2003, and of course, I'm recording this on, on January the 12th, this is days after the assassination of IRGC General Qasem Soleimani and the Iranian retaliation, and we all know that Iran has had tremendous influence in Iraq over the since the end of the Iran-Iraq war, really and more recently since the American invasion in 2003. The big player, of course, in Iraq is still ISIS, Islamic State, Iraq, and Syria. Despite the fact that President Donald Trump declared them defeated in April of last year, 2019, ISIS is still a force to be reckoned with. I was reading recently a report by the Kurdish Peshmerga, Kurdish soldiers, leading officials saying that ISIS is growing in strength. And I've seen estimates that there are still tens of thousands perhaps as high as 30 or 40,000 ISIS fighters in Iraq and Syria, and they're carrying out attacks on a daily basis. So what about Afghanistan? Well, according to the Global Terrorism Index, Afghanistan had the single was the country with the single greatest number of terrorist fatalities in 2018. That's the year for which we have the, the most recent comprehensive data. And within that country, it's the Taliban, which is responsible for the lion's share of those deaths. Interestingly, the Taliban is also engaged in quote-unquote peace talks with the Americans, sometimes without the Afghan government, the elected Afghan government invited to those talks. There's no question the Americans are very desperate to get out of Afghanistan. They've been there since 2001. So we're coming up to 20 years of American involvement. And the Trump administration, President Trump himself, made it quite clear early in his term that he wanted to have A smaller not greater U.S. military footprint abroad although in the wake of the assassination of Soleimani he has sent more troops to the Middle East. More troops is not going to make things any better. I have a real problem with negotiating peace with the Taliban given that the Taliban is a terrorist organization. They have somewhat emptily promised that if the Americans do withdraw that the Taliban will not allow foreign terrorist groups to operate on, on, on Afghan soil. I take that with a grain of salt. It was the Taliban after all, which proved to be a very amenable host of Al-Qaeda in the years leading up to 9-11. Likewise, there is an Islamic State affiliate called Islamic State Horasan, which is very active in the Eastern part of Afghanistan. So I'd be very surprised if when the numbers are crunched for 2019, that we see that Afghanistan once again leads the world in terms of numbers of terrorist deaths. And I think that number will continue to be very high in this year, in 2020. Moving on to Southeast Asia, The Philippines is the country I guess that we should most be worried about. There are a number of terrorist groups, some of which are aligned with Al-Qaeda, some of which are aligned with Islamic State, and the Philippine military, despite the bravado of President Rodrigo Duterte, have been unable to defeat these terrorist groups ultimately and definitively. So we'll see more terrorist attacks in the southern Philippines. Similarly, we have a situation in Indonesia, where their government has noted a very worrisome rise in ultra-conservative Islam, largely influenced by preachers from Saudi Arabia. And so we could probably estimate that we're going to see more violence in Indonesia as well. I realize I'm not painting a a great picture here. Let's throw in some more. Let's go back to Africa and talk about Somalia. Al-Shabaab in the later parts of 2019 into 2020 have been carrying out terrorist attacks with incredible regularity. They have attacked Somali National Army. They have attacked civilians. They have attacked government facilities, and they've also launched a bunch of attacks into northeastern Kenya. Now, historically, northeastern Kenya and southwestern Somalia are kind of is a loose border there. A lot of the ethnic groups will cross that border. So there, are, so Al Shabaab has a certain amount of, uh, shall we say, friendly supporters in that part, and. Al-Shabaab has been carrying out attacks against Kenyan police posts in the last couple of days. Al-Shabaab official recently warned Kenya to remove its military forces from Somalia, and if it does not do so, that Al-Shabaab sees attacks against Kenyan civilians, including Kenyan tourist sites, as legitimate. Now this is really important because Kenya derives a lot of important foreign currency from Westerners doing safaris and other tourist destinations in their country. So if Al-Shabaab starts targeting those with terrorist attacks, that could could convince a lot of people to strike Kenya off their list as possible vacations and will have a very serious effect on the economy. Last but not least, there's the Democratic Republic of Congo. The UN recently noted that it is detecting what are called crimes against humanity in that area. Now, er that area of eastern Congo is very complicated. There are a lot of groups in operation, one of which is called the ADF, the Allied Democratic Forces, and this is an, a terrorist group which has been carrying out attacks over the past couple of years. So one would have thought that the Democratic Republic of Congo couldn't get any worse. When in actual fact, it looks like it's, it's going to stay pretty bad for the time being, with possibly a rise in terrorist attacks from Islamist extremist groups. This podcast wouldn't be complete if we didn't talk about foreign fighters. We are still struggling uh, collectively as Western nations. With what to do with foreign fighters i.e those of our citizens that travel to Iraq and Syria and other conflict zones to join terrorist groups. Most countries have stated they don't want their citizens back. Turkey has stated that they don't want them to remain there and in the last couple months Turkey has been deporting citizens back to their home countries which are then forced to deal with them. I predict we were going to struggle still with this what to do with these individuals going forward in 2020. My own government in Canada does not appear to have a real position on what to do with Canadians who fought with Islamic State or Jabhat al-Nusra or any other of a myriad number of groups in Iraq and Syria and around the world. So I think that much of 2020, uh, unless I'm quite surprised, we're going to muddle through determining policies and programs on what to do with foreign fighters. You notice that I've spent most of my time, actually all of my time right now, talking about Islamist extremism. Because, again, if you read the Global Terrorism Index in any given year, The vast majority of attacks are carried out by Islamist extremists. Now the index does note that for 2018 there was a rise in attacks by what are loosely called the far right. These of course would be groups that that we describe as white supremacists, white nationalists, uh, anti-semitic, and things like that, neo-nazi in some cases. So we have seen a rise in attacks primarily in the west from these groups. A lot of people are warning that in fact Attacks by these actors will surpass attacks by Islamist extremists. I think that is wildly inaccurate, but I also think there will be a slow, steady rise of attacks by these particular terrorists in a variety of countries, which puts a lot of pressure on law enforcement and security agencies in the Western world to find enough resources to deal with what is still the number one threat, i.e. Sunni Islamist extremism, and at the same time handle a growing threat, which is this group of uh, broadly named far-right groups. I'm not sure how we're gonna do it. I Think we will see more attacks. We've seen attacks on synagogues in the United States over the past couple of months There have been other attacks in, in other parts of, of the Western world. So I see I expect the trend to continue in 2020 But again, it will not get to the point where we're talking the thousands of deaths that we have That have been carried out by by most extremists. I realize I'm painting a very very negative picture here for for 2020 I wish I could be more positive. On a daily basis, when I'm doing my scan for news articles and analysis around the world, there isn't a day that goes by when I don't come across 20 to 30 articles that refer to an act of terrorism or a thwarted act of terrorism that has occurred within the past 24 hours in any number of the 200 or so countries around the world. So we will see more attacks in the usual cast of characters, places like Afghanistan and Somalia and Nigeria and the Sahel. Iraq and Syria, obviously, parts of Southeast Asia. We will see the occasional attack in the Western world. Those attacks will be divided somewhat unequally between Islamist extremists uh, and the far right. So prepare yourself for a very violent 2020. Even if the trend that we've seen since 2014, according to the Global Index, has been on a downward trend, it's been the, the, the number of casualties have dropped by, by over 50% since 2014, largely due to the fact that Islamic State lost its caliphate last year and it was responsible for a disproportionate number of deaths from terrorism between 2014 and 2019. But I think that we will be talking about terrorism a lot again this year. If I can end on a positive note, it's hard to say that when you're talking about terrorism, it is equally important to point out that terrorism does not pose an existential threat unless you happen to live in Afghanistan, parts of Somalia, and perhaps this year, in several countries in the Sahel. If you live anywhere else in the world, terrorism is an important phenomenon, it is a dangerous phenomenon, and we must remain vigilant against terrorists and terrorist groups, and we must devote resources to detecting and neutralizing terrorists by preventing attacks. But none of these groups constitute a clear and present danger to the extent where they can really undermine and in fact overthrow the systems of government and the societies that we've established. Terrorism is a menace. It is a public safety menace. It is rarely a national security menace. And if you look at the numbers in a lot of countries, the deaths from terrorism pale in comparison to deaths from other types of crime, gun crime in the United States, for example, or other types of illegal activities around the world. So I do want to end on that positive note. We cannot allow ourselves to overemphasize and to over-exaggerate the threat from terrorism around the world. Yes, we have to pay attention to it. We have to make sure we have the right resources devoted to it. But let's not lose sight of the fact that terrorism is really a minor irritant in most parts of the world. I'm not sure if that helps. I do know that I'll be talking to you a lot about terrorism in 2020. That's it for this podcast. I'd love to hear what you have to think about this. You can reach me on a variety of platforms. You can email me, me, borealisrisk at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Borealis Saves or leave messages for me on LinkedIn or on the Facebook page of borealisthreatenrisk.com. I'd also invite you to visit the webpage www.borealisthreatenrisk.com where you can subscribe to all the content that's provided by Borealis. The podcast, the quick hits, which are shorter podcasts on more current events, the blogs... Today in Terrorism series, which I will continue for the rest of 2020, as well as links to media interviews that that I do on terrorism. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I'd love to hear, hear what you think of it. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.